in 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm a leader, wait, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it. I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, Bailey. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Drew Neal here from Detroit. And uh, thank you for being here today, Drew. Appreciate it. Yeah, Nate. Thanks for having me on today. Excited for our conversation. Absolutely. What, um, what comes to mind for you? The name of the podcast is Championship Leadership. So when you hear Championship Leadership, what's that mean to you? Well, um, it definitely doesn't have anything to do with the Packers. So um... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, it is called Title Town, but I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> um, no, you know, championship leadership, man, this is really about overcoming, right? I mean, everyone is dealt a deck of cards. Everyone has a series of decisions that they've made in their lives that, you know, may or may not have included a lot of foresight, right? And so we're all in situations where we're having to make compelling decisions about whether or not we're going to overcome the obstacle in front of us. And this is really a growth mindset that we're talking about, right, versus a fixed mindset. And, and I think championship leadership is the willingness to say, hey, I have the courage to take the next step. I don't have everything figured out, but I'm willing to take the responsibility and maintain the liability of being a person who goes first and says, I believe we can overcome whatever this obstacle is and then and do it in a way that's integrative for all the people involved. Right. And so championship leadership to me is, is about overcoming. It's also about negotiating wins for all the stakeholders. Right. I think great leadership it says I'm mindful of every person involved. You know, if you're running a startup right now, to me, it's like, hey, how do I win for my investors, my partners? How do I win for myself? How do I win for my employees and how do I win for my end users? And leadership says, I'm willing to take on that liability and responsibility while not knowing the future. And, uh, and so it takes a tremendous mindset, not perfection, but a willingness to drive a value on people, value on excellence. And, um, you know, it's interesting real quick, just as far as my antidote here. Uh, my last name is Neil and Neil means champion. And so Neil was a conqueror out of the the Nordic territories and came in and took over the British Isles in the fourth century. And, uh, and so in my household, we have, we have a little, you know, a little chant about champions. And so uh, the, the conclusion is what is a champion? It's someone who never gives up. And, uh, and so it's kind of fun that your podcast is named that. And uh, you know, I, I have something to say about that. 
Man, I love that. I I'm learning something new here. I did not know the uh that Neil means champion. That's awesome. I love it. What's uh well talk to me. I love your answer, by the way, as well. And that's why I continue to ask this question because I always get a completely different answer and we're 350 episodes in or whatever it is and been doing this for a while and I always get a different answer, which is always awesome to hear. But how many people would you say in your experience have you come across that really stand out to you as championship leaders? That's a question I don't typically ask. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's probably hard, you know, to put a number on it. Um, but I've, yeah, I've worked but with I a mean, lot of leaders and, and heavy leaders, yeah. but, you know, oftentimes people who really have the drive to to really say that they're going to go in and see things through to the end, it's not a large percentage of people. Um, yeah. I, I think it's probably under 10%. Sure. And uh, that really say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see this thing through. I, I, you know, it's so easy to give up. I mean, there's so many good reasons to quit, right? I mean, there's so many good reasons to stop. There's so many good reasons to not follow through. Uh, think it very, very difficult. And, you know, I, I remember um, in my journey of leadership, I back in 2016, I hit, you know, a pretty massive wall. And, uh, you know, my, my leadership was under fire and my decision-making process was under fire. Our results were under fire. And we were taking water and it was, it was a difficult moment. And I had a lot of people giving me a lot of opinions and a lot of feedback about how things were happening. And I really kind of thought that that particular business that I was involved in at the time was, uh, you know, I thought it was, it was, it was done. And uh, it was just one of those other moments where you get the chance to make a choice. You know, I got some choices to make here and things are difficult. And will I will I choose to accept responsibility for where I'm at, whether I created all the results or not, whether people you know accepted my leadership or not? Um, can I see this through? And, you know, and I tell you what, it takes a lot of courage to see things through and the guts to walk things out, even when it says, hey, I could cut my losses, go start scratch or go take my ball over here and play in this playground. And sometimes the right thing is to see things through and great leaders know when to do that, um, to learn what if they have what it takes to see things through while not doing damage to everyone else. Right. I, I think yeah. when you do damage to other people by seeing things through, you know, holding on a little too long. Um, yeah, that's I think I that's when, yeah. yeah, that's probably not the right time to see it through. But if everyone can still win because of the staying the course, um, then it's, it's really, really powerful moment. And so. Um, you know, having the courage to overcome like that and see things through, knowing um, that you can still create wins for people is a powerful situation to be in. And so I, I've seen every time in my life where I've come up to that point where the pressure chamber is, uh, is ratcheting, if you will, I found out I have, I have more inside of me than I knew. And if I'm willing to mm. see things through, if I'm yeah. willing to take the hard road, if I'm willing to, you know, from a responsibility standpoint, um, that I find out every time I can take things a little further than I thought I could. And, and that moment was a major moment for me of, of learning that. And, and I've needed it a few more times since then. And, uh, yeah. and so um, we have a lot more ability than we give ourselves credit for. If we were just willing to kind of stay in, take the heat, walk it yeah. out, make good choices. And uh, I think that's kind of interesting. So true. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't ever realize that, right? Because whatever it is that's holding them back from from uh, 
getting to kind of see the fruits of that, you know, lots of reasons, right? Lots of reasons people don't push through to, to really find out their true potential. But uh, championship leadership, when we're in that conversation, yeah, they have those qualities, right? So that's that's why there's probably only uh, 10% because, you know, it's it's rare. So um, what, uh, why don't you tell the listener right now a little bit more about you and your path and, and how that's gotten you to where you are today and, and uh, what it is that you are up to today? Yeah, great. Um, well, you know, Solutionary is the name of my business. And actually, I have a few companies working together right now. But ultimately, you know, my message is that I want to help people rediscover a thriving culture that really allows people to grow and also for profit to grow. And, and there seems to be a mindset that if we really invest into people and create a culture and an environment where people thrive, that is going to impact the bottom line from a negative point of view. And and so, you know, gosh, I, I've, I've been a part of, you know, chaotic cultures and uh, perfectionist cultures and cutthroat cultures and mm-hmm. passive cultures. And, and, and these are cultures that aren't uh, good for the human. And ultimately, we are getting to a position where, you know, the workforce is growing in their emotional and social intelligence so much that they're demanding us become more responsible in the cultures that we lead. Yeah. And so it's, you know, as a... You know, whether, you know, you're listening right now and you're a solopreneur, if you're an entrepreneur with a team of 10, excuse me, or you're a manager, you know, with a team of 100 under, under you, it's that we have a responsibility to create an environment that's really going to bring the dignity of value to, to everyone on our teams and uh, our users, obviously our partners, our stakeholders. Once again, it's that kind of win, win, win scenario I was talking yeah. about earlier. We got to understand how human behavior is now a part of the process. And so it used to be, hey, I just have a, I have a product, do you need it? Boom, whatever it takes to get the product out, we're gonna do that. And, and or it used to be that maybe, uh, you know, and you were good on delivery, you know, and then another competitive edge would have been, hey, we're funded. So you're, that's the reason why we're going to succeed and it's our competitive edge or may have been technology. Hey, we've got the best technology, come to us, we're the best. And I really believe that the, the competitive edge of, this next, you know, um, time of business is not those things. It's now going to be your team and your ability to execute disproportionately um, because everybody's funded. Everybody has the technology and everybody can get products to market these days. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, you know, Am- Amazon moms, you know, I've, I've seen these yeah. entrepreneurship groups, you know, Amazon moms, these are, these are, these are amazing mothers and who are dedicating, you know, their time to have the priority to be with their children. And they love that. They want to do that, but they also have ability to make money in business. And Amazon's provided a way for them to bring products to market that they never would have been able to do um, without the technology, you know, just even, you know, 10 years ago. And so we're in a new age. We're in a new era of, of, of opportunity, which is remarkable. And so as business owners, as founders, leaders, we have to begin to understand, we have to first accept responsibility for the human experience because the products, the systems, the operations of our business, we can find access to those concepts much more easily than we can find a human dignifying experience. Yeah. Yeah. There is an incredible amount of opportunity right now, like you said, and, uh, 
you know, I, I, I definitely agree to have that championship culture, I guess I would call it, um, is extremely important, especially for a championship leader. What, what in your experience would be a couple of ways for somebody listening right now that's, that's really focused in, recognizes that importance in that culture, but maybe doesn't know necessarily how to create that. What is there, you know, just a couple quick little ideas you could give them to focus in on to, to do that? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I, I think it's important for us, first of all, to have a value on the fact that culture is a major contributing factor to success now. You know, there's there's reports, you know, that are, are well-documented now over the last 30 years as we become disproportionately wealthy from other eras that we're realizing that, hey, we now have the time to think about human experience. We're not, this isn't survival anymore. You know, it's like we're, we're wealthy enough as a civilization to realize that we have time and we have the money to create dignifying human experience. And so the, you know, the, the first step in understanding culture actually starts with the leader and, the, and measuring the leader's self-awareness and the leader's self-governance. And so, of course, every leader has a personal leadership style, right? So, yeah. you know, as a, you know, there's a reason that a solopreneur likes being a solopreneur or doesn't like being a solopreneur, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, it's whether they enjoy working through people, working with people, or having people just get things done for them, it changes your desire of how you want to position yourself as a leader with other people. And that's because every leader has a personal style and that per, there's a communication style, there's a behavioral style, and there, there's mindsets, um, there's worldview, and, uh, and of course, experience that, that the leader has created that kind of creates a stew, if you will, of their, of their preferences. And so when the leader is aware of that, the leader can then begin to make decisions about how they want to govern the external experience that they're giving people. And so it's, um, you know, and, and so there, there, there's a need for us to become more personally aware of who we are as leaders, our tendencies, yeah. our character traits, our behavioral preferences, so that then we can choose about what type of sustainable experience we can give to those that we lead. And, and so that obviously, you know, self-awareness leads to self-governance. Self-governance, you know, leads to social awareness. Social awareness leads to social governance. And so this offers an experience. You know, some people, um, you know, with my companies, I, I have a core value of fun, uh, you know, which means, you know, Friday at four o'clock, um, you know, the, the focus of the office is changing. And, uh, and whatever we deem as fun is we're beginning to include those things and, and creating an opportunity for people to connect and relate around mm -hmm. that. And I've hired off of that core value. Um, I like people who work hard and play hard. You know, yeah. it's, you know, if we're traveling as a team, uh, you better believe you me, we're going to find, you know, the, the, the best coffee in town and we're going to find the best old fashioned in town. And we're going to find, you know, there, there's a few things that we're on a mission for yeah, while also, yeah. while also working and, and producing well for our clients and serving well. And so we're already committed to serving well. We already know that. Um, what's going to happen in between, in between the lines, right? What's going to happen in between the times where we're client facing and delivering and serving and doing what we need to do, um, you know, versus when we're relating together as a team. And I think understanding how people relate, how you want to relate 
and creating an, uh, uh, you know, really an idea of purpose. I like to think of it as a higher level of meaning of why we're working together. And when you can begin to align people, you know, according to a higher goal or a higher outcome, that's bigger than just money, it's bigger than just, hey, we're the best in the business. It's, you know, what's, who's going to benefit um, because of this company existing? And why is that important to kind of the progress of humanity? And there's a, there's that, that, that's that emotional and social intelligence that's really needing to be brought into the workplace that starts with the leader. And it starts with the leader's focus, who they are, especially founders, right? They get to set the temperature, if you will, for what a sustainable pattern of human interaction is going to look like for the business. Yeah. Very good. Love it. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of little nuggets there that I think if, if someone's really looking for a place to start to, to go, what's, um, what's the vision for you? What, what I think I, I truly believe championship leaders have this incredible vision. You know, we are talking NFL. I like, you know, so I'll use the example of Bill Belichick or Nick Saban that have continued to find a way to, to just, they're competing against the best of the best and every, and every year often, maybe Bill Belichick, not so much lately since Tom's gone, but, uh, but they found a way to continue to show up at the top and, and win championships year after year. And that's because I believe they have this vision that's a little bit different than everyone else. And they have the courage to take action. So what's, what's the vision for you and what you're looking to do and more, yeah, more so like the impact that you want to make through that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we're in a, we're in an interesting transition right now as a society. And that transition is us really um, decentralizing uh, power. And it's a very interesting time frame in history because, you know, really uh, America is a new idea. And America is the idea that everyone's voice matters America is the idea that everyone's vote matters. America is the idea that everyone has equal opportunity. And, and it was very, very early for its time. And I don't, I've, I've done a lot of work in Europe. I've actually worked in 20 countries around the world. And, and I love Europe specifically because there's just so much uh, history where you can see you know, how society behaved. And um, an, an acquaintance of mine is uh, royalty. Uh, in Germany. And I'll never forget the time where he took me to the family's castle. And uh, it had, you know, 36 different peaks in it and absolutely gorgeous. And it kind of set elevated on a bluff, you know, mm-hmm. and 55,000 acres of land. And, and he, and there's a little village down in the valley. And that, that's, you know, it's basically a four-way stop these days, but it was, it's where yeah. the little town store was at, where the, the blacksmith was at. And, and he told me how the whole economy worked, you know, and it was amazing in, in, in that era, um, which was up until the 1800s, you know, um, it, it was really like, if you were the king, like you were the bene- person who benefited yeah, off right. of everyone else, everyone served your economic interest. And according to your benevolence or your lack of benevolence, that created an experience for everybody else. And so America was the idea that, hey, what if we got out of the system of the haves of the person who has and all the other have nots and let's get into a democracy and democracy was the was the shift of growth from a mindset point of view that everyone should have access to power and so the question is is how can we all be powerful together at the same time and i really believe that as we get wealthier as everyone gets wealthier which is what's happening right now um we're all understanding how we can work together in ways 
that's less authoritarian, top-down leadership models, mm-hmm. less do, do as I do as I say, not as I do, right? Mm-hmm. Less be seen and not heard. All these, these you know, antiquated mindsets that have permeated the business world, um, you know, they're being challenged right now. And we're realizing that everyone, if they're on the right seat at the right time with the right team, has the ability to contribute at a high level. It's really up to the leader to orchestrate these thriving scenarios and getting out of bureaucracy, getting out of the good old boys club, getting out of some of the traditional constraints of leadership and really making room for people to grow, be accountable. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of political agendas connected to these concepts of which, you know, I, I, I don't believe we need politics to weaponize these things. Uh, politics don't rarely do well for humans, for all humans. Mm-hmm. Someone right. always loses in politics. Yeah. This is not what we're talking about here. This is 100% about personal responsibility and accountability that says, hey, where are you at in your process of growth? What do you, and, and making room for people in context of where they're at in their journey, contribute at the level that's most possible. And, and I think it takes a really great leader to understand that, to say, hey, let's make room for the team to thrive. Let's make room for the team to succeed. Let's make room for them to connect and relate with a sustainable culture. And let's really understand that. And so my motivation here at Solutionary is really about giving people tools to really realize their full potential as a leader and to create environments for everyone else to do the same. And so um, I, I really believe, you know, there's, there's companies that are, you know, stuck in bureaucracy. They're stuck in, you know, loads of paperwork. There's, there's P and, and, and all the workforce is having an undignifying experience. And so I want to teach people how to have that dignifying experience in their leadership and ultimately create a thriving culture. And so there's really two groups of people. There's a person who's embedded in the corporate world. And then there's the person who's left the corporate world, person who's left the rat race and said, you know, what? I'm going to go find my own way but they're also going to lead a team at some point, right? If you're going to be successful, you're, pro- you're going to need at least one employee, at least an admin, at least someone to help. You know, there's, you can't just do everything by yourself and usually yeah. earn at the level that you're gifted at. And so it's, it's really about training and equipping people to have that opportunity to know what it means to earn while doing you know, good by other people. And so I'm reimagining a world where we can uh, do well by doing good. Love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. What, um, as we start to kind of near the end here, if there's, what are a couple, I guess I call it like principles that you live by, um, maybe you lead your life with that if the listener is to implement t- today would help move their life forward today, what would those be? Yeah, well, if I could, you know, I've got five simple steps that I think are important for every leader to take if they really want to open up this, this conversation and accept yeah. responsibility for the culture they're creating. And, and the first one is, you know, is really a- adopting a core value on authenticity. You know, today uh, it's so easy to hide behind influence and, and yeah. so easy to hide behind, you know, maybe a resume or, you know, or any type of leverage that you have. And so I think it's important for us to understand, excuse me, how to be authentic in the experiences we create for other people. And, you know, one of the great ways to do that is, is really opening up conversation to feedback. And there's nothing more authentic than a leader being willing to acknowledge where they're at and the experience they give other people, um, but also making room for the direct reports 
to, to give them feedback about how they're experiencing the leader. And you want to talk about authenticity. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't get any more authentic or vulnerable uh, than that. And of course, yeah. Brene Brown and all the research is coming out. All the others that are leading that conversation are amazing. But adopt, you know, believing that that's a good thing is, is one decision. It's another decision to implement. And so creating that environment, I think, is in- incredible. And of course, this opens up the next step, which is trust. And I think if we can really understand how I, as a leader, build trust with other people, uh, that would be incredible because everyone builds trust a different way. I'll never forget, I had a client and, uh, and um, in one of my uh, fundra- uh, fundraising advisories, I, I run a solutionary capital as a, it serves nonprofits exclusively. And, and we do uh, advisement on uh, seven figure and eight figure fundraisers. And uh, I had a client who was uh, working in the nonprofit space and, um, and children were uh, the people who were benefiting from their nonprofit. And uh, I was doing development with them and, and market and brand. And we ended up getting into some team development as well. And as we got into it, we began to discover that the way she builds trust is through her experiencing how they treat children. Such a unique situation, right? Ooh, and so yeah. obviously she's serving children and, and giving her life to, to see children be benefited. And in that moment, uh, you know, there were completely competent people with high character, uh, tremendous people that could have benefited her organization um, had they loved children more than maybe what they did. Yeah. And it wasn't an evil thing, wasn't a wrong thing. It's just that when they interacted with children, it didn't set a spark for her. And so she was like, I don't know if I can trust you as much as I can trust this other person who maybe is a little bit less competent, but has an interaction with children um, that, that she feels is the way that she would prefer to see it happen. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and we don't realize that we all have a bias, you know, in the way that we build trust. And so understanding how we build trust will then allow us to invite our employees into that same process and us understanding, hey, as the leader, as the founder, I get to choose who I hire and who I don't. Yeah. And so it's no longer, le- leaders are no longer the person who has the most knowledge about an expertise or a technical understanding. Leaders today are actually the people who know how to govern and facilitate human behavior and human preferences. And so that trust is powerful. That's number two. So number one, authenticity. Number two, trust. Number three, purpose. There needs to be a higher level of purpose um, attached to why we're doing what we're doing. And so your business is a what. If we can understand why we've built our what and what kind of greater good or what benefit someone in the world's going to have because of us existing, it will increase the motivation. The workforce coming to the market today, they want a greater good. They want some level of give back. They want some type of higher meaning connected to what's going on. And so, you know, where is my, how authentic are we? How, how do we build trust? And what is the purpose um, of our business? These are powerful questions to ask. Number four is what impact are we going to have? You know, are, are, we, are we measurable in our results? Have we just been profitable or are we aware of the human experience that we're offering here and what we're committing to? And of course, number five, are we sustainable? You know, are we willing to have mindful iterations um, in our process to get to these goals? And or are we going to stay stuck in what's known and comfortable? And so, you know, these are powerful questions to ask. And I think if leaders can ask these five questions that they can discover 
uh, how their culture can become a thriving culture that grows people and profits at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Those are powerful. And I mean, you know, definitely inside of uh, uh, your business, but also inside of your life. I think those are powerful questions to ask yourself. So thank you so much for that. What's, uh, what's the best way, Drew, for us, the listener, to follow you, to find out more about what you're up to? I don't know if you um, have a presence on social media or, or, you know, maybe there's a site that's the best place to go. Yeah, certainly. Thanks for asking. It's drewneal.com. I go to drewneal.com. Uh, there's a, a bevy of resources there uh, on the training that I offer. I do a lot of keynote speaking as well. So if you have an event that you're looking for kind of customized takeaways um, in the human development, human growth, organizational leadership, uh, developing a thriving culture, those are great categories for me to serve your event and uh, very willing to customize and really bring a unique set of breakthroughs for your event. That'd be a great fit. And, uh, and of course, you know, the back end of our business, we're able to serve pretty comprehensively, uh, you know, companies up that are in, in revenue of up to $100 million. And so drewneal.com is a great place for us to kind of get to know each other and to discover value exchange uh, from that point of view. And uh, so would love for you guys to go there. And I am on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm there. Just search Drew Neal Solutionary and you'll find me. Excellent. I appreciate that. We'll get those linked up for you as well uh, as you're listening here in the show notes. So that's easy to access. If you want more incredible conversations and and, want to hear from more incredible guests like Drew here today, then please don't go anywhere. Stay right where you're at. Drew, thank you so much for today. It was an incredible conversation. Appreciate having you on. Nate, thanks so much for having me. And uh, hey, just want to let everyone know you're not a problem. You're a solution. Go be that solution. Go be that champion leader. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys soon at drewneal.com. Awesome. Thank you, Drew. Let's go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. And marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Hey, babe.